Let's have now God's Word open us up to Nehemiah chapter 1. We'll look at verses 4 to 7, and then we'll turn our attention to chapter 9, and we'll look at verses 1 to 3. So let's all rise as we hear God's Word read to us. This is God Himself speaking. These are His words. As soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days, and I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. And I said, O O Lord, God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love Him and keep His commandments, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant that I now pray before you day and night for the people of Israel, your servants, confessing the sins of the people of Israel, which we have sinned against you. Even I and my father's house have sinned. We have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, the statutes, and the rules that you commanded your servant Moses. Let's now look at chapter 9, and we'll read verses 1 to 3. Once again, these are the words of our God. Now, on the 24th day, on this month, the people of Israel were assembled with fasting and in sackcloth and with earth on their heads. And the Israelites separated themselves from all foreigners and stood and confessed their sins and the iniquities of their fathers. And they stood up in their place, and read from the book of the law of the Lord their God for a quarter of the day. For another quarter of it, they made confession and worshiped the Lord their God. This is the reading of God's holy word. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Father in heaven, this is our prayer and our plea that you would have your way in us and through us, that you would shape and fashion us, that you would teach us the words of life, that we may see Christ and draw near to you, knowing you will draw near to us as well. Renew us, Lord. Bring about a revival in our hearts and in our church as we come and gather once more to remember your faithfulness and to repent of our sins, to draw near to our Savior. We pray this in his name. Amen. As we're all continuing to come out of a time period when the pandemic, uh, we're all still trying to get back to return and to rebuild, not just our faith and the church here, but probably a lot of different areas in our life. For some of us, we're trying to rebuild our family experience. We find ourselves trying to have meal times together more often, to go on vacations again, to plan and see extended family. Some of us, we're trying to rebuild and return to our friendships, relationships that have kind of fell apart over time, And so we're trying to come back and to communicate, to hang around, to linger, to live life together. Some of us are trying to return and rebuild what it means to work, to have a career. Some of us are back like nothing's changed. Some of us are fully remote and others of us are in a hybrid model. Some of us are trying to return and rebuild to a better state of health, whether it be mental health, physical health, spiritual health. 
And this is one of the areas that I've been trying to return and rebuild as well, health. And it's funny because it's a lot like faith. We're not sure where to start, so we begin by just coming out to church, making an appointment, so to speak, trying to be honest and vulnerable, trying to get some answers, trying to figure out a starting point. Well, I have not been to the doctor's, don't gasp, in about five years. I know that's not too bad. Some of you guys, I haven't been there for ten years. You know, I try to be a good Korean man and uh, not uh, disappoint my family by finding out that I'm sick. I'm just kidding. Um, some of you guys who have Korean fathers, you know, uh, like my, my dad always says, if I'm sick, I don't want to know. It's only going to slow me down. And so I guess I've adopted that to some degree, but I haven't been to the doctors for five years. So as I'm trying to think about my health, as we have another baby in the family, I'm thinking about the future, I figured, you know what, this is probably a good time. I go back, make sure everything's good. So I make an appointment, and because I haven't been there for so long, they said, we're going to have to treat you like a new patient, like a new patient. I said, okay, fine. I go in, and we all know, if you've ever been to the doctor, the first thing they do after they check you in is they take your height, your weight, and your blood pressure. Now, two out of the three, I'm always anxious. My height, I've been this height since eighth grade. I know, I'm a freak. But my weight fluctuates. Some of you guys know me for a long time. Don't worry, I can get bigger. And my blood pressure, depending on the stresses of the day, if I went to the bathroom or had too much coffee, can be all over the place. So I step on the scale, and the same thing always happens. I haven't been there for five years, and, 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 and the same thing always happens. Years ago, they had the medieval type of scale. You know, you move the big block up, and then you shimmy the little one until the needle balances. And whenever I would step on, they would move the big block very graciously to a very low number. I should add, most of the staff there are Koreans, and so I guess they, they don't quite know how dense a Korean-American can be. So, you know, they're very gracious. They put it on, like, 150. They're trying to move the little shimmy over, and it, Confused. Why isn't this thing balancing out? Shifted over to 200. Now they're worried. Is this broken? And I just, I say, you're going to have to slide it down two more notches. And they're like, no. No. I do a four nation. Starts to, starts to balance. And they are in shock. I have to experience this every time. You know, it's, it's kind of like the opposite of a, of a, of a beginnings of a superhero movie, you know, I just, it's like, yeah, I have the power to shift my density. I go back, it's been five years, and finally I see a digital scale. Oh, thank God. When we can skip all that drama. Step on, number flashes. I gasp, she gasps. We all have a laugh, we sit down. And when she sits down, she's going through the screening process, and she asks me, hey, so have you been doing something differently? We've been exercising or dieting. I'm like, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, I'm trying. But it's busy, you know. And she's like, yeah, how did you lose 30 pounds? I was like, excuse me? She's like, yeah, you, you lost 30 pounds since your last time came here. And even though I know for a fact that I've gained 10 pounds. And so I'm, I'm confused and I'm asking her, hey, I think you read the scale wrong. She's like, no, no, you, you, you're doing great. You lost 30 pounds. And I was like, no, no, I didn't. You know, I've heard of a five-pound discount, a 30-pound discount. I was like, is this legit? I don't want you to get in trouble. I stepped back on the scale, and I said, 
can you look at the number again? And she goes, oh. Anyways, she's, she's baffled. She gives me the gallons, says, get changed. The doctor will be here to see you soon. There's a point to all this. There's a point to all this, okay? <laughs> I'm waiting, undressed, with, got the gown on. I'm just sitting there. And, you know, in the screening process, they ask you a lot of different questions, and one of them is your occupation. So as soon as the doctor comes in, he goes, oh, so you're a pastor. I always wonder, what, what, what do you do when your prayers are not answered? Do all of your prayers get answered? And from my past experience, I know that uh, this particular doctor is a great man, great doctor, uh, but he does not believe in God, and, and in my experience, uh, slightly mocks religion altogether. So here I am sitting uh, senselessly naked, completely ashamed. I just had to go about my wait about 10 minutes with the nurse, and, and then the doctor walks in, and he asks me this religious riddle. And unfortunately, as a pastor, sometimes the, the, the job just comes to you. You can be sitting in your doctor's office in a gown, and people have a deep religious conundrum. And so he asks, do all your prayers get answered? What do, you, what do you do when they're not answered? And I told him as simply as I could, because I just wanted this to move on. I said, then I changed my prayers. <laughs> and then he's like, what? What do you mean? And I tried to briefly explain that prayer isn't about God working for us. It's about God working in us. And so if God doesn't answer my prayers... I change my prayers so that I can pray more according to his will. He didn't seem interested. I don't think he was really looking for an answer. (laughs) I share this because for a lot of us, for many of us, even for me at times, when we think about prayer, we often think about it as we ask God for something and he delivers. And if he doesn't, we either stop believing in him or we just figure he doesn't really care about us. And when we think about prayer, oftentimes what we get hung up on are the unanswered prayers, are the experiences and the times where we cried out to him day after day, month after month, some of us for year after year, without the response that we are looking for or a guidance that we're so desperate for. And so we stop praying, and somehow we convince ourselves we're still believing. But if I can make one thing very clear and have it be our focal point today is that prayer isn't a transactional experience. It is a transformational experience. It's not us saying, God, these are the things I would like. Please, I know you love me. I love you. Will you do these things? Rather, it's God, I know you love me. I love you. How should I be living? Correct me. Teach me. Guide me. Provide for me. Draw near to me. As we consider ourselves here at Eternal Life Mission Church, what it means to return and rebuild, I want us to know that that is very synonymous to remembering and repenting. If you look up on the screen, returning and rebuilding can be synonymous to remembering and repenting. And so we're going to look at it in two different contexts. First, at the individual level of Nehemiah's prayer, and secondly, and briefly, the Israel's prayer as they pray. So first, remembering and repenting, as we see in Nehemiah in chapter 1. In chapter 1 of Nehemiah, it begins by telling us that Hanani and a few men from Judah come to visit Nehemiah. Nehemiah right now is at the citadel in Susa, which we're told is, in the ESV study Bible notes, it's the winter lodging place. And so he's there, and some friends visit. And Nehemiah asks them, 
He asked them about the Jews who had escaped and survived the exiles. How are they doing? What is happening? And this is the answer they get if you look up with me in verse 3. And they said to me, The remnant there in the providence who had survived the exile is in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates are destroyed by fire. Nehemiah learns that the wall of Jerusalem is still in ruin, that the project to rebuild and return had actually failed. And we can gather from Nehemiah's dramatic response that the failure had to do a large part with the people's lack of faithfulness. That they did return and they tried to rebuild, but something was missing. That something is remembrance and repentance. We see that the people, the exiled, had returned. They had tried to rebuild. Their bodies were in the right place. But their hearts were so far from God. And church, I want to ask us, could we be in the danger of something very similar? That as we try to rebuild and return, that we can fill the pews, that we can gather and be at all the right places, but our hearts are lacking in intimacy and desire for our Lord. After Nehemiah hears this, this is what he does. Verse 4 to 7, look up with me. He says, As soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days. And I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. And I said, O Lord, God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant." that I now pray before you day and night, the people of Israel, your servants, confessing the sins of the people of Israel, which we have sinned against you. Even I and my father's house have sinned. We have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments. A few notes I want to point out as Nehemiah falls and goes to the Lord in prayer tells us as soon as he heard these words, Nehemiah fell. As soon as he heard that the people of God was in trouble, that things were not going according to plan, that there was sin that was rampant, that there was neglect, that there was apathy, that there was a lack of desire to return and really return to the Lord. As soon as he heard these words, Nehemiah fell down. He wept, he fasted, and he prayed. I want to point out that he didn't go to the people to rebuke, to accuse. He didn't confront or blame the people. He didn't come up with a drastic game plan. Hey, let me see the blueprints. What are you guys doing? What are all the programs? Are you guys meeting for community groups? What are the prayer times? How long are you worshiping? How long are you praying? Let's, let, let's do this. He didn't come in as a consultant. He didn't come in as someone to analyze the situation and say, hey, here's all the things we're doing wrong, guys. This is what we need to do. Rather, he fell. He fasted, he prayed, and he sought after the Lord in repentance and in remembrance. He didn't make up more prayer times, more rules, more places to be, more things for people to do, but he simply fell and he prayed. The reason I point this out is oftentimes when we are trying to rebuild and return, we can get very caught up in the things we have to do and all the programs we have to restart, and the excitement and the hype we have to try to rebuild to make it colorful, to make it loud, to make it presentable, to make it something that people will draw near to. 
And oftentimes, if we're honest, we lack the genuine heart of prayer that desires for God to draw near to us as we rebuild and return. So the first thing I want to point out is that as Nehemiah hears the situation of his church, he doesn't immediately go to, all right, I've got to fix this. I've got to confront the people. The first thing he goes to is prayer, repentance, and remembering who God is. The second thing I want to point out says, And I said, O Lord, God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love. What's he doing here? As he fasts, as he prays, as he falls down, as he weeps, he is remembering who God is. He reminds himself that God is the one who is steadfast in love, who keeps his covenant and his promises. He reminds himself that no matter how much the people have changed and turned away, that God will stay the same. That God will continue to be faithful. That God will continue to pursue in love. That God will continue to draw near, even though the people are missing their hearts and their desire. And so Nehemiah reminds himself, and he establishes once more in his mind, and he affirms who the Lord is. God, you are faithful. You are the steadfast one. You are the constant one. And even though Jerusalem and the wall still lay in ruins, even though the people have returned, but the rebuilding has failed, you are still who you are. And I said, O Lord God of heaven, you are awesome. You keep your covenants, and your love is steadfast. What did Nehemiah do right after he prayed? He reminded himself of who God is. He didn't start saying, you know what? This is what we as a church should be. This is what we should be doing as a people of God. He said, no. This is who God is. And this is who we are if we can be faithful to God. Friends, it's easy to simply blame God if we see a lack of progress in our growth. Right, it's easy to say, I'm not growing here. I don't, I don't see God working in my life. I don't see God working in the church. It's easy to cheaply just think that, you know what, if we just come and we go through the motions, that God and his sovereignty, he'll just do what needs to be done. But friends, as we are reminded of who God is, not only are we supposed to know, you know what, yeah, God is faithful. He is loving. That's supposed to draw us near to be faithful and loving to him and one another as well. This is, this is such simple stuff, but Nehemiah recalls. He remembers who God is. The third thing I want to point out, he says, even I and my father's house. This is really important. As Nehemiah goes to the Lord in prayer, he doesn't say, God, I'm sorry about all these hooligans, these unfaithful people. They gave up. They stopped. No, he says, even I, and my father's house have sinned. He counts himself in the group of sinners. Again, this might seem very obvious, but how many of us fall prey to this? When things are not going well in the church, when we see a lack of faithfulness or worship, we say, man, church, we got to change. We got to start doing this. Worship is not good. We, We don't pray. We don't come out enough. And how often do we say, you know what? We're part of the problem." We see as Nehemiah intercedes and as he prays, he is humble enough to see himself in the broken lot of the people who are struggling to be faithful to God. He owns not only his sins, but the sins of his community. 
What's he saying here? Even I and my Father's house have sinned against you. Basically what he's saying is, if we really, as a church or a community, if we are living life together and holding each other accountable, then there's this mentality that should be going around that says, your failure, your sin is also mine in such a way. If you're struggling, you're not coming out and you're sinning, then that's also on me. And vice versa. Nehemiah is is counting himself with the previous generation, with the other people in the community. He's saying, if we are a true covenant community, then my sins are your sins, and your sins are my sins, and we need to pray, and we need to repent, and we need to remember. So the second point, and this will be very brief. As Nehemiah hears the state of his people in chapter 1, we see as soon as he heard this, he fell down. Later in chapter 9, towards the end of Nehemiah, we see something really encouraging and really beautiful. The book of Nehemiah starts out with one individual's prayer of repentance. One individual's prayer of remembrance. And it leads to, we're told, all of Israel now remembering and repenting. Look at verse 1 through 3 in chapter 9. You'll see it up in the screen. And pay attention to the parallels and how, how closely it overlaps Nehemiah's prayer. Like this is the people of Israel praying in chapter 9 now. Now on the 24th day of this month, the people of Israel were assembled with fasting and in sackcloth and with earth on their heads. And the Israelites separated themselves from all foreigners and stood and confessed their sins and the iniquities of their fathers. And they stood up in their place and read from the book of the law of the Lord, their God, for a quarter of the day. For another quarter of it, they made confession and worshiped the Lord, their God. We see that one person's faithful prayer has led to a whole congregation, a whole people of God, drawing near to the Lord as well. We see that they assembled and they fasted. I love how practical it is. They also changed. They put sackcloths on. They put dirt on their heads. Their posture changed. Their whole, whole wardrobe changed to say, I'm here to pray. I'm here to lay down. I'm here to weep and to mourn, to confess, and to remember and to return once more to the Lord. They separated themselves from all unholy things. They stood closer to the Lord They confessed their sins. They owned up to not only their own sins, but the sins of those around them. And I love how practical this is. They read from the Holy Scriptures to remind themselves of God's faithfulness a quarter of the day. And the other quarter of the day, they made confession and worship. Which which makes you wonder, what did they do for the other half of the day? I was joking around with Pastor Stephen. Maybe it was like retreat, you know. When we go to retreats, you know, last year, we didn't have enough free time. We didn't have enough free time, Nehemiah. This year, he's like, all right, fine. Quarter of the time, we're going to spend praying. Quarter of the time, we're going to spend reading God's Word. And you can have the other half for free time. Yeah. Probably not what happened. But we're being told in the day, if half of it is meant for rest, we see that almost the whole time, the people of God drew near to God. What did they do? They read God's word, they worshiped, and then they confessed. This is significant 
Because as we've learned throughout this sermon series, that whenever the people of God just tries to come and do it on their own strength, do it on their own will, it fails. Church, if, if, if we simply just come and we think given enough time that everything will go back to normal, we'll be mistaken. Given enough time, if we're unfaithful, we could not be here. But church, our call to return and rebuild is synonymous with repenting and remembering God's faithfulness. Now, I want to cut it here, and I, I want to I go right into application. I know in the announcements we share that we have designated prayer times of Sunday morning or Saturday morning and Thursday evening, but one thing that we don't do as often as a church together when we're gathered as a congregation is spend time in prayer. Right, in worship, we have time of singing, and once in a while we can pray. We have people come up and pray. The pastor prays. But I think one thing that is missing oftentimes, and one thing that is so precious, is when we as a congregation gather together and can spend time praying. So if, if I can ask uh, just our praise team to start coming up, I want to lead us in a, a short time of prayer to respond in this. If we look at Nehemiah and then the people of God, we see two things are really clear. That if we are to rebuild and to return, we have to remember God's faithfulness and we have to repent of our sins. And then we can make requests of renewal. So I know this might be odd and the reason why we, we probably don't often do it is we don't want to scare off newcomers. Many of you guys, this is not what I paid to see. Preach, man. Tell me a good story. Convict me. Inspire me. But if we can just humbly come before the Lord as a congregation today, as we see this simple call to remember God's faithfulness, to repent of our sins, can we spend a few minutes in prayer? And I'll lead us in a few topics. And this is how I want to organize it. The first area of focus I want us to look at is just ourselves, our own hearts, our own lives. As Nehemiah says, even I, even I, he doesn't exclude himself. But he sits there and he thinks about the ways he's fallen short. He sits there and thinks about all the ways that he has rebelled and that he needs to repent. And he sits there and he reminds himself of who God is. So the first thing I want us to do as individuals, at the individual level, is to remember who God is, his faithfulness. A lot of you guys have come to church, have come back because probably something has happened where you realize that God was working in your life. A lot of you guys have shared your testimony, and there's so many moments in your life where you can recall and say, man, that was a time when God was really there for me. Some of you guys are going through difficult times now, and, and you're really trying to remember that, man, he's faithful, he's faithful, he's faithful. He was there in the past, he'll be here now, and he'll secure my future. Can we pray, church, at the individual level, personally, and to say, God, help me to remember your faithfulness to me. Help me to remember your steadfast love. Help me to remember your covenantal promise with me. So let's spend a few minutes just remembering and affirming who God is. And if this is difficult, just, just go through God's attributes. And say, God, I know you're holy. God, I know you're loving. God, I know you're faithful. God, I know you draw near. God, I know you see me, you hear me, you know me, you remember me. Let's spend a few minutes like that, remembering who God is and who we are in light of him. You can pray out loud or quietly. I'm going to pray out loud. Don't judge me if you hear some stuff, okay? 
Father in heaven, uh, Lord, you are good. And I am so quick to forget as soon as the sleepless night comes, as soon as a bill comes. ask us to pray for at the individual level once more is repentance. Repentance is, is really simple. It's, it's, it's saying, I'm sorry. I'm, I want to come back to you. Repentance is saying, God, I've rebelled, but I want to return. Repentance is saying, Lord, I know in all these areas in my life, I have failed. I have fallen short. Now, for some of us, it can be very subtle, a neglect in our heart and apathy And for some of us, it can be dramatic and drastic that that there are some deep sins we need to confess, addictions. So let's spend some time at the individual level just repenting, saying, God, I'm sorry. I want to stop, but I, I can't seem to be able to. Will you help me? Will you give me the strength? God, I'm sorry for just going through the motions, for giving lip service. I, I, I want to be in it, but it's difficult for me. Will you forgive me? Will you lead me? Will you teach me? God, I want to turn back to you, but my feet keep going the other way. Will you straighten me out, Lord? Will you renew me? Will you forgive me? And church, we can ask boldly, for as we believe in Christ and as we heard And Good Friday and Easter Sunday, the body of Christ and the blood of Christ renews us to be sons and daughters of God. And so we can come and simply say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So let's spend some time in repentance. thing I'll ask us to pray for as we think about just our own hearts before the Lord 
is to make requests now. Having remembered who God is, having repented of the ways that we've gone wayward, let's go to the Lord and ask boldly, Lord, will you renew a right spirit in me? Will you bring a revival in my life? Will you purify me, sanctify me? Will you continue to provide for me, protect me? Will you restore me? Will you deepen my heart and desire for you? And for some of us, if our heart's not even in it, we can, our request can simply be, God, help me to want you more. Give me more of you. So let's pray like that. And then after, we're going to pray as a congregation corporately through the same three things. But right now, again, just at the individual level, let's come to the Lord with requests of renewal and revival in our own personal lives. Now, I want us to focus and, and, and think about not just our own lives, but as our congregation, as a community, as a church. Let's pray, Lord, help us to remember your goodness. And we didn't have time today, but if you read through chapter 9 of Nehemiah, they go through the history of Israel and how God has provided for them, how they have failed, how, how they turn away, and how God rescued them again. And it keeps repeating, and they call into remembrance all the times, the major marks where they have fallen astray, yet the Lord has come and rescued them again. And they, and they do this to remember and to recall that no matter how many times that the people of God have failed and stumbled, that God is right there to renew and to restore and to bring about revival and renewal. So let's, as a congregation, remember where we came from. I don't care if you joined us last week or this is your first time here. I don't care if you've been here from the beginning. I want us to know that as this body has gathered to worship over the span of 30 years, the Lord has been good, that he's particularized and raised up men and women to lead and to serve, that he's brought about new life, that even in death he's brought about the church to come together to walk with families that God has worked in such amazing ways in this body to bring about saved souls. We've sent missionaries out. We've brought missionaries back in. We've continued to pray. We continue to gather. And through all of our failings and lacking, the Lord has sustained us. Let's remember His goodness to this body. We are a testament of His goodness. Let's pray and thank the Lord and remember. 
Lord God, we thank you for Eternal Life Mission Church. We know we are nothing special. We know we are filled with sinners. Lord, we know in so many ways we lack holiness. We know in so many ways we are, we are lacking in, in purity. We know in so many ways we get distracted with, with, with things that have no eternal meaning. We know in so many ways that we've fallen short as a community to love one another. Yet, Lord, you have been faithful. You have been faithful through even the death of the pastor faithful through people coming and going. You have been faithful through a worldwide pandemic. You have been faithful through lacking financial need. You have been faithful through Lord Jesus, broken relationship with sin. You have been faithful through it all, Lord, as we are able to gather and worship this day as a church, knowing that intercede for our church and our community. Let's repent. Church, I, 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 I don't want to have to get into the nitty-gritty, but I think we know ourselves. We're well-dressed, well-to-do. We oftentimes hide behind the guise of good morals and ethics, but we know in our hearts that as a church we lack so much zeal and passion, that as a church that we get so caught up in so many other things. Let's ask the Lord to forgive us of our sins. Forgive us of the ways that we have lacked in keeping each other accountable and calling one another out and inviting one another and drawing near to one another. Let's repent of the ways that we've withheld our tithes and our offerings, the way that we have withheld our service and our love and our words and the ways that we have withheld faithfulness to the one who is so faithful to us. Church, let's repent as a congregation now. supplications and petitions to the Lord. Let's ask the Lord to continue to sanctify us as a body, as a church, so that when he returns, we would be presented without spot or wrinkle, that we would share in the glory of our Lord, being renewed and redeemed as a people of God. Let's pray that this church here at a that Eternal Life Mission Church would indeed make disciples in word and deed that we would desire to see his kingdom come and his will be done in our homes and our communities and around the world. Let's pray like that, and after a few minutes, I'll close us in prayer, and then we'll continue in our worship 
with a response song.